It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Hey, Chris Manning here from Locked on Cabs. Coming up on today's show, we had a fun conversation with Brittany Mollis from the That's What Beach It podcast. Evan and I talked to her about a whole bunch of other Cavs things. She'll be back later this week for another episode. But without further ado, here's today's show. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. With the eighth pick in the 2018 NBA Draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Colin Sexton from the University of Alabama. Two years ago, you were an unranked high school player. Now you're a lottery pick. What does that mean? Uh, It just shows all my hard work paid off. I just grinded from starting at the bottom and came back up um, to the top. That was the biggest thing, just to show people what I can do. Off and lobs to lock. That was guarded by Grant Williams. Good feed to Sexton inside. Lays it up and lays it in. Sexton now has 26. Joining us now, we're very excited about this one, is Brittany Miles, one of the hosts of the That's What be said podcast we're gonna have her on for two episodes one where we're gonna talk about colin sexton and number two where she's gonna ask us a bunch of questions evan and i are gonna turn over the controls of the podcast for that one but Brittany, thank you for so much for coming on how are you good how are you guys we're doing good evan how are, how are you today how are you doing on this on this monday well it's monday you, i don't know man you caught me at a weird time chris you know what's going on behind the scenes and why i'm annoyed so yes Okay, so yeah, that's going without saying. But other than that, I'm 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 just great. It's a beautiful day outside. Got a good run in, so can't complain too too much. Health is important. Yeah. Health is very important. I have not been just been the the chill and not do anything by. But let's just get into context. And I don't think there's any better place to start <laughs> than a tweet the Cavs social media account sent out on Monday with the Cavs Mount Rushmore and Context on it. And look, like, I get that the Cavs don't have, like, a ton of necessarily, like, all-time great guys with the franchise. You're going to have some guys that have, like, spotty kind of records and stuff like that. 
Um, I get you want to have someone like that's young and moderate on the team. That's just like, I think just everything with Colin and everything with this is just like, my thing is everyone should just chill. Let's just like pump the brakes for a little bit. Let's not rush this. Let's like let Colin like win some games and do some stuff before we do this. I, and I just, I, I don't, I think about this. I don't even think the discourse around this, around Colin is like, super broken but it's not fun and Brittany, i'd be curious like i do you find the colin sexton discourse fun because i find it like very annoying to talk about colin sexton right now listen i should basically be colin sexton's pr person <laughs> i feel like half of my job on social media is just to defend and push out all the colin sexton content that i could that people could possibly stomach which they barely do. <laughs> so I sort of got this reputation for just being a Colin Sexton fan, which I gladly accept. But as far as the Mount Rushmore thing, as big of a fan as I am of him, that was egregious. Even for like, I looked at that yeah. and I was like, all right. But you know, there are also like Anderson Verjao, I don't think should be on that. Oh, uh, and no, Andy should be on there. Booby's yeah. the one. Booby Gibson's the one. Booby, I'm a little yes. shaky on it. Yes. I looked at that and I was like, all right. But my beef with Anderson Verjao was that I was such a, and still am i can't say was i'm such a drew gooden lover that like once anderson you know it sort of made his job tougher and then he got pushed out and everyone was fine with it so you know bad blood between me and anderson barajal but still so yeah as far as that goes um, colin sexton no obviously but you know anderson barajal too and booby gibson let's see if there's any other problems Eh. no all the rest are pretty okay i think I have to look at the yeah. list now too. Yeah, no, it's a, I feel like, it's a lot. Yeah, I feel like Sexton is a little egregious. Um, <clears throat> Andy could be worse. Chris and I are, you know, Verjao defenders. I think we're the last bastion of defending Anderson Verjao. Oh, so guys. he helped me through a dark place of life after LeBron Part One before Kyrie showed up. So it's something. But Chris, I have to defend Colin here. He's won some games in his career so far. He won They've nineteen not won in a his rookie year. He's won nineteen in his sophomore campaign so you can say for a fact before the season stopped he was at least consistent so maybe that can get him some mount rushmore odds but like everyone else in my twitter mentions like to remind me and they've broken me on this situation altogether he was nominated for eastern conference player of the month every month this year okay okay that's right right. Do you, Brittany, are you are we, are we gonna are we gonna are spill nominated? the tea? Are we gonna spill the tea on how? Yeah, can we spill nominated? the tea? Do you know how those are how those are how those happen? Do I want to know how these happen? Yeah, are you yeah, going you to the break my heart? The Cavs do it. This isn't like like Either the uh, only ones who don't nominate. Yeah, like Colin Sexton had a great week. Let's nominate him. It's the Cavs doing this week after week after week after week. Yeah, as so. they should. Who else, okay, who else are you going to okay, nominate? You can't nominate cast? Kevin Porter Jr. one time. You can't nominate Kevin Love like one Tristan Thompson. Like, why is it every week it's like Colin Sexton, Colin Sexton, Colin okay. Sexton, Colin? There's, there's just like a lot of weirdness with this. There might have been a few weeks, especially like at the beginning of the year, where I was like, okay, Tristan Thompson, yes, Kevin Porter Jr., yeah, he had some good games, but you know, Colin Sexton, I think this past year he has been, dare I say it? You guys are looking at me like I'm about to drop a bomb. No. Wasn't no, he if you're kind say of he's the best, best player? Yeah, he's been the best yeah, player no, on the, the team. He's the best player on the team. We, okay, we, yeah. we agreed That's on this fair. a little bit ago. Okay. Ooh. Look at us in green. <laughs> yeah, look at that. So you Maybe thought we were going to argue well. today. No, I thought we were about to be like Colin Sexton would have um, done a better job. He would have won seven titles with the 90s Bulls. He would have <laughs> got Robin out of Vegas on time. 
<laughs> Listen, there did have to be a pandemic to stop Colin Sexton this year. That's just true. yeah, the, the pandemic stopped Colin Sexton scoring birds. That's true. Exactly. Uh, just as he was starting to improve on assists, too. The world yeah. was like, no, you don't. We really no, have right. to question so, MJ's status as the GOAT because he never got to play against Colin Sexton. <laughs> so, <clears throat> when when just, I tweet this out, that's the quote I'm going to use to share it for my followers. That's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Cheers. So, <sighs> can I, here's a, here, I pitched this to Evan the other day, but I, I was mm. listening. I cut like a different intro for this podcast in terms of the, the audio clips, and I went back and listened to his draft night introduction. Mm. And to me, when I listen to this, it is he's a number eight pick. There's obviously the whole, like, wondering if the Cavs should have traded the year before, before we know what it is, the whole Kyrie trade. Like, this pick has had, like, a lot of loaded weight behind it before that. Mm -hmm. But we get to this pick, and he gets his his media thing, and he asks, like, you know, you went from – you get the question about how you went from unranked prospect to top ten pick, which is Mm -hmm. a good question, fair question, all that. And he answers that. And then he immediately gets asked a question about LeBron coming back to Cleveland. See, that's and I, I feel like Colin, to no fault of his own, and I don't think he cares because I don't. I think Colin truly just wants to like work out and play basketball. He's literally just pushing sleds of weights around Atlanta right now. That's just like what he's doing for fun and playing Madden. This is when you look at him. I think he just got put in this weird position where it's like he comes off the title run. He was he's theoretically the piece you would have traded for a title run, but he's also the most exciting thing in kind of a really weird time. And I think there's just like a lot on him in ways that's not fair. And I don't think that helps when we're like trying to like discuss him because when I say like Colin Sexton need needs to, like the, the vision needs to work and the defense needs to work. It's not like me being like, he's trash. It's just like, we're very, we're at the very beginning of this. And I don't, mm-hmm. he just comes in this really weird time, I think. And that contributes in a negative way. Is that a, is that a crackpot theory? Yeah. So what I've always said about him, you know, in his defense, and when you guys asked me to go come on the show, I was thinking about, okay, how can I prove that Colin Sexton is a valuable player? And, you know, I was looking through stats. I was like, no, you know, screw that. I'm going to try and appeal to people's emotions. So uh, here's, here's what I laid out for everyone, okay? Okay. So I think he was drafted into an impossible situation. He was, like, surrounded by the aftermath of the LeBron James era, and he wasn't a terribly popular pick, particularly with the fans. And, you know, that's a tough obstacle to overcome. Um, you know, when people, they got used to winning, right? You know, with LeBron and that whole thing, they get used to seeing arguably the best player ever, um, in their uniform, you know, with that brings a certain comfort and the fans almost in a way get spoiled. So they had to make this adjustment from having everything to having nothing. And that's not easy. And then when you talk about a rebuild, you have to remember it's a process. It takes time and mistakes are going to be made. And, you know, the directions may change, as you've seen. We've, you know, how many coaches has Colin Sexton had now? What is it? We're on number four now? Yeah. Yeah. I, hopefully yeah. it's the fourth one and the last yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. But there really isn't an easy fix here. You know, but I also want to remind people that the process can be very exciting if they let it be. So you watch young players develop, and we get to see a team possibly come together from scratch, which is exciting. And, you know, there's something kind of – very fulfilling about that, um, assuming that it does eventually pay off. So as far as Colin Sexton is concerned, I think the road ahead is what he makes it. You know, you can't ever knock him for his work ethic. I think he just keeps trying to improve and get better all the time. Um, And when he was drafted, 
you know, given his size and then the position changes and the adjustments and the challenges, um, he was a hard sell for a large portion of the fans and, you know, they're not going to forget that. But, you know, I feel like he's fairly criticized for his shortcomings, but there are times when I feel like he's not given enough credit where it's probably due in, you know, terms of his improvements. And I would say that that's probably more true with him than anyone else on the team. So I think that's very fair. I think um, that's fair. I think that's completely right because you think about this. He comes in, can't shoot threes. Mm-hmm. Like, wasn't shooting threes. Dribbled into three to, like, long twos and uh, as opposed to corner threes. Looked sort of lost and also kind of got thrown to the wolves right away. But then every mm-hmm. month he got better. And even this year, you had that December where he shot, like, 20% from three. He was above 40% the next month on higher attempts. Like, I think, th- I think that's right. I think Colin, I mean, if you look at just his jump from year one to year two, he was age 20 last year, um, has a value of replacement of negative, almost negative two, which is atrocious. And this year he's a, he's a positive. It's, 0 point, it's point 0.1. But he went from, like, absolute crap to, like, a little above replacement level. And that's, like, a pretty sizable jump. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. And I think he also is in a – look, he's – I, I, this is a pro Kevin Love podcast. Kevin Love has not been a great adult in the room <laughs> the yeah. last two years. He's been chucking balls and complaining and slapping chairs, and he's admitted that. But, Evan, I mean, where are you at on this? Where, what is your take on is, is the does Colin get too much flack for even though he's doing – for not getting enough credit, rather, for the improvements he actually is? Yeah, I think so. I think um, Brittany makes a good case, and just overall, like, especially the point that she made, and I should say you made that, and – um fans are spoiled and the fact that let's be frank this Colin Sexton pick was traded for Kyrie Irving who was arguably the best point guard in franchise history and he puts on Kyrie's number two so it's a little bit of added pressure there in that regard but um yeah I feel like he gets a lot of flack just because fans are spoiled for the fact that Kyrie had such a huge leap from his rookie season to his sophomore season to his third season and so on because Chris, you and I were talking about this the other day. It's hard to believe that within five years after Kyrie was drafted, he was a champion. Um, I don't think Colin Sexton's going to have that same career trajectory because LeBron's not going to be coming through anytime soon. But at the same time, like I think he gets a lot of unfair criticism. And yeah, I think people just kind of get caught up in some of the more uglier things and more, more shocking things. Like you said, like he wasn't shooting three-pointers and like his inability to make plays for a while. But like we were starting to see that turn as well, especially with J.D. becoming the head coach. Like there is noticeable improvements that you can pull from both box scores and just the eye test alone that say Colin Sexton is definitely growing and developing and becoming a solid overall player. And I'm no longer going to put a ceiling on what he can be because I feel like that's what ruffles people's feathers the most when it comes with my opinion on Colin. But I do think he's unfairly criticized. And I do think people need to appreciate how much he is improved just to, and the, how terrible the situation it was starting this rookie year with Ty getting fired and then just kind of getting thrown into the starting lineup with a coach that was asleep at the wheel for the moment he became the head coach and Larry Drew. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, we're going to take a quick break, come back, talk a little bit about the rest of the Cavs discourse right after this. Let me tell you about the most useful app on my phone. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. There is an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best, key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you. 
who want to get to the main point of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now and it has a massive and growing library, from self-help, business, health, to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestsellers lists, as well as the classic non-fiction titles you always meant to read, but never had time to. I like Blinkist because it helps me get to the key takeaways of a book in only 15 minutes so I can incorporate those learnings into my life immediately. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA and try it free for 7 days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com NBA to start your free 7-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com NBA. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And we are back here on Lockdown Cavs. Okay, Brittany, I want to ask you this. The Cavs discourse, compared to, I think it's a little different and weirder than Browns Twitter is Browns Twitter. Indians Twitter is just yelling at the Dolans all the time correctly. And um, I'm sad about Yasa Puig potentially going somewhere else because the owners, whatever. When you, when I look, when you think about the Cavs discourse, what is good about it? What is bad about it? What, when we actually talk about the Cavs, what do you think actually is like working in terms of how we're discussing the team? As Evan gives me like a very weird face. There's nothing healthy about this discourse. What's, yeah, what's working? Um, on, there's not too much that I can say is good about Cavs. Like, would you agree with that? Because it doesn't, yeah. as oh, far yeah. as like the fan base goes, it really, and it, it has to do with what I was talking about earlier. You know, um, I think we need to do a much better job of keeping things in perspective. Um, fans need to try to adjust how they view this post-LeBron era. Um, and that, it, that applies to, like, you know, players, coaching, uh, you know, ownership, Kobe Altman. It's, it's an incredibly difficult task to try and get people excited for a team that once had the best and now doesn't. Um, as a fan, it requires patience and understanding that it's not going to be how it was probably ever, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a disaster either. So, you know, it bums me out when I see fans angry at Dan Gilbert or fans who, you know, over-criticize everything, especially when it comes to certain players. Um, I don't think these habits are really conducive to making this rebuild more bearable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know that there's like a whole lot of good, you know, I think some people try to, to get the, you know, others excited about things. Um, and like I said before, a rebuild can be very exciting if you let it be. There's something really cool about watching something come together from scratch. But unfortunately, I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get people on board. They're going to have to start seeing some sort of positive results before they they come back and they want to enter the discussion in a, a positive, productive way. I think that's right. 
Evan, yeah. what do you think? Yeah. <sighs> it's a lot to unpack. Um, That's sigh. <laughs> it's a lot to unpack. Um, the discourse around cast Twitter is just weird because there's a lot of people who don't want to let 2016 go. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of like people who are very sentimental with players like and Chris, you and I are both victims of this too. We're sentimental yeah. about Tristan. They're sentimental about Delhi. They're sentimental about, I mean, I'll be upset when Kevin gets traded. Like he's a, a he was an asshole this season to the, <clears throat> for the better part of the season, but like overall, like, had meaningful contributions to this team. There's a lot of people in that sector who don't want to let 2016 go. There's people that are incredibly impatient because the team won a championship four years ago. And now the Cavs are a bottom feeder in the NBA again, and they really don't have a direction. And I think people are still trying to wrap their head around that, that the Cavs are still in talent acquisition mode where they're just going to grab as many players that they think might work. And then they figure out where things fall as time goes on. Like, like Colin Sexton is like a is a figurehead of this discourse, obviously. Yes. And then there's like people who are super critical. Like it's so weird that people are so tribal about either being Team Sexton or Team Garland. And I'm just like, why don't you just enjoy both of them? They both have their shortcomings, and they're 19, 20 years, 20 year olds that are barely experienced in like life itself, and let alone NBA basketball. Like, be patient about this. The Cavs aren't going to be a playoff team next year. They're probably not going to be a playoff team for two years. But it's just, and at the same time, like. I don't know. It's like, I can get you, like you can sell hope to Cleveland fans. It's like, that's one thing in this economy that'll never go out in Cleveland sports is hope. So um, it's just weird. Like, it's just like a lot of weird sectors and clicks and everything. But like, I'm just like, I'm just here to have fun. And if people get frustrated at stuff that I say, like, that's fine. Like we can talk about it, but we can just, just be civil. That's all I ask. Like you don't have to name call when people name call or make it like personal. I'm like, all right, well, it was, it was fun. This conversation has no purpose anymore. So, what about <laughs> Isn't that you, Chris? What Twitter is though. People just name calling all the time. Yeah, that's it. Right, right, right. So, like, here's Chris chastised me once because I had notifications turned on my phone, <laughs> and he's just like, "Why do you do that to yourself?" I'm like, "Cause I want to know what people are saying." That's right. Like, yeah, that's, I need, I need right. validation for my opinions, and then I'm like, "I don't want it anymore." So. <laughs> Okay, here, here's one part of this that I think is very fixable. And it's not something that I, th- I think there's coverage of the, some of the coverage of the team is weird. Um, I think there are Just people, I think there is something within the broader media establishment where it, the Cavs are like the, the awkward stepbrother you don't want to talk to. They're just like, let's just like, talk about the Browns and let's talk about the draft. Like even when the Browns mm-hmm. back, you'd have people being like, I just want to talk about the NFL draft. We could make a conscious decision broadly to just be like let's just prioritize this talk about this and kind of value this i think that's a real thing that could be done um the other thing i would say is when i look at this from the Cavs perspective they play a part in this because i look at how the browns are approaching like the browns like in you know it's obviously the draft whatever they were making kevin stefanski and andrew barry and freaking Paul D. Podesta, very available via Zoom conferences. Mm-hmm. Like, you're getting every draft prospect that they picked is getting uh, on a Zoom call with local reporters. You're getting interaction with these guys. Um, I know nothing about Darius Garland, besides the fact mm-hmm. that he has a TikTok account, and he plays video games, and he, like, is signed to Clutch. Like, I don't know anything about him, and I cover the team. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure people that are traveling with the team know a little more, but I don't feel like anyone really knows anything about him. Kobe Allman hasn't spoken like in front of the media since like the John Beeline hire. We have not seen him. He didn't speak when Beeline used said the slugs thing. He didn't speak. He did a conference call with us after yeah, the, at the trade deadline, but like he doesn't the drum and trade. 
Right. He doesn't and talk. Even then, it was just flowery, waxing poetic about how great Drummond's going to be for the Cavs and would not entertain a negative question whatsoever. No, that's right. But it's like, I think you could, I think even right now, I've been trying to figure out how, like today on Twitter, I was on Monday, I was trying to figure out what NBA, other NBA teams have like done media availabilities and talking to other people I know and trying to figure that out. And it's like most teams have done this. Like it's, it would not be that hard to like just get Darius Garland on a Zoom call with like Evan, me, Fedor, Kelsey Russo, Jason Lloyd. And like, let's let us pepper him with some questions about what he's doing right now. And like, let's like explain your star young star player. Like it's not that hard to do. And I think do there's think value in that. Rich would allow that though. Cause I don't, I feel like the Cavs would, if we pestered him enough, but do you think Rich would allow that to happen? No, there you go. So that's, but, that's, but like, that's okay, my thing with I, Darius. Get, if you can pull a different player out, maybe I'd entertain okay, can this. I, can I get, um, can I get Jetty? Can yeah, I get, Jetty's can available. I get, can I get Dylan Windler? Can I get Kevin Porter Jr. Like loves talking. Dude, Can I get Dylan Kevin Miller. for twenty minutes about how he's like? Is, does he still think Cleveland's like Seattle? Like I just like I just think you could do something as simple as that, mm-hmm. and like actually be like, here here are the people we want you to come root for, buy our jerseys, etc. Mm-hmm. Like just act like this isn't like national security, and I think it would be less weird. I, I think that's like a very simple fix. Um, and there's, I don't I don't think it's really much harder than that than just being like these are actual human beings. Let's just talk to them. And, but the Cavs are very player protective. And it is, I think as their franchise, it is part of their brand to put up this wall to some degree and do this. And what, what other, like even the Warriors will be like, you want to talk to Steph Curry for 20 minutes? Sure. Like yeah. Raymond Ritter will hook you up. Super um, accessible. Than the Warriors. Cavs don't do anything like that. And there's, there's a purpose behind it. It's yeah, it's definitely weird. And it's, I don't want to say stable organizations, but stable organizations are the ones that are most accessible because you and I have gone through this a few times, Chris, like Milwaukee. They're super, besides Giannis, they're the most accessible organization I've worked with. Golden State's super accessible. Utah's really good. Miami's easy to work with. Um, Brooklyn can be hit or miss. Um, the Lakers and the Clippers are great. Like They get back to you right away, and they're like, yeah, we want to work. We want to have a good working relationship with the media, and I hearken back to this and it's kind of funny because I remember when John Bieland was hired and he did his introductory press conference with Kobe, he said he wanted to have a good working relationship with the media. And I chuckled to myself when he said that, cause I'm like, this team isn't going to let you have a good working relationship with the media. And like, I agree if they were a bit more accessible with us and just the fans in general, maybe just like what's going on and everything. And there isn't some like cryptic, like, and not, we don't know what's going on in the background or whatever. Um, I think it would just make our jobs a lot easier. And I do think this discourse would go away a lot faster if we just kind of had a better idea of who and what is going on behind the scenes. Who stands in the middle of it? Like who is the, you know, obstacle to get by here? I'm not naming names. Chris, you want to name a name? Uh, <laughs> the answer might be Dan. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was asking. It, it really <laughs> might be Dan. <laughs> okay. It could um, be Dan. He's really weird about media access. I've been working on a story just to tease people with him and his people for a while now, and it's like moving heaven and earth just to get him on the phone for five minutes. So, I wonder why. Because he lot, like a lot of it's the stroke. I heard like he's super. Okay. He wants to control the situation. Like he doesn't want to show any signs of weakness. But at the same time, he also likes to control the narrative as well. And if you ask questions that he might be uncomfortable with, he just won't flat out talk to you. So I, I just feel like this is an easy way to, you know, get fans. Obviously, like, you know, fans in general of any sport are like hungry for any kind of content. Right. 
And to me, like, this would be a good PR move just to get fans excited, interested, um, you know, because the NBA and the Cavs specifically, they sort of fell to the background behind everything. And, you know, doing something like this, it seems like a good idea to me. I don't understand what the, the holdup would be, why they would, you know, ax this idea. I think there is something of like that they're trying to have players not have to do stuff they don't want to do. Like they have, uh, so if you go in the Cavs locker, locker room after a game, they'll, you walk right in, you hit the big span of lockers, but like they have, instead of having to walk like by anybody, there's a little like players lounge they can go out of and like avoid you. And most yeah, teams like they're not going to. Yeah, more or less hide in. Right. A lot of them will hide there. If you look at the the issue, if you look at that, like after games, like players are supposed to be there for a certain amount of time f- to talk to us. Now, mo- like I don't care. Like guys will leave, and there's certain if it's like Ante's, there's just no shade. But it's just like if he leaves, like I'm good. He doesn't like talking anyway. He's the most quiet human being in the world. Deli but boy. guys will just leave, and then you don't get them. And like for weeks on a time, we will not hear from Garland. You'll hear from like it's like Sexton, Larry Nance. And Tristan Thompson and Kevin are like the kind of the guys you regularly get with like a little KBJ. Mm-hmm. Clarkson was like a post game every night guy when he was here. Mm-hmm. It just depends. And I think there is just like this. We're going to put certain guys up to talk. You're going to deal with that. And that's sort of how we're going to approach things. Um, I mean, I think I, I would say if you look at Kobe Allman, David Griffin was very media friendly. Like he gave a 40 minute interview to my predecessor boss at Fear the Sword, David Davok, who's a blogger. Kobe Allman would not speak to anybody except for like Jason Lloyd right now. You won't, oh. or Chris Feer, he won't. Um, no one, there was, there's a very clear to me change in approach with Kobe, who's very much more in line with Dan than David was. And mm-hmm. I, I think some of the stuff we're seeing is like a conscious decision to move to something more like that. I really do. And I think it's telling when the Pelicans are in town. Cause were we both at that game, Chris, or does it just be? I don't remember, honestly. I don't remember anything. Uh, I do remember being there because I showed up a little late and Griff was walking around like in the lower section of Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Like he was the big man on campus and he was still running the show around there because like he's just, I don't know. It's just Kobe's MO. He does not like being accessible to the media. And if you kind of press the calves on it, they just give you an answer saying that's just how it is. And I don't really know where to go from here, but if this is the guy who's trying to be the architect of life after LeBron part two, I wish he was a little bit more accessible just to make life, our yeah. lives a lot easier. Yeah, I think it's fair. All right, we're going to take one more break, come back and talk about some storylines we're looking forward to seeing right after this. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. And we're back here on the Lockdown Cast podcast. Okay. When you give me a storyline you're actually interested in. Let's non-column sex division. What is a cab storyline going into when the season comes back? when 
if it's next season or whatever, what is something you're actually interested in, in following? Um, really, I think the thing that most people should be interested in and exciting about, I don't know if it's a storyline as much as it is just watching things develop. I'm really excited about Kevin Porter Jr. and Darius Garland. And whoever the Cavs end up picking, you know, the summer, assuming that everything goes to plan and the draft is still there. I, I don't know anything anymore, but <laughs> right. So, um, but yeah, like I'm just excited to see those two specifically develop and even more like Kevin Porter Jr. He seems to be the most intriguing player on the team to me, especially, you know, when we're talking about young guys. Um, so that's, that's what I'm most excited for. Um, also, it'll be interesting to see how the veteran players approach next year. Um, Cause you know, it, I understand they were kind of put in a tough spot where they signed on to, I'm talking about like Kevin Love and Tristan and stuff mm-hmm. signed on to, to win championships. And now, you know, the direction has totally shifted and LeBron left. Now they're there with, you know, all these young guys and it's a rebuilding process. Um, I'm, interested to see how they handle it if they want to handle it if they don't you know that's another interesting part i don't know what do you guys think do you do you Uh, think i'm excited to see what the young core looks like for sure i think chris and i and Brittany, i don't know how you feel about this but we're kind of hesitant to give a player grade on darius garland for the season just because we don't have enough to work with in terms of just what we expect and what we know from this player. Like, I think I did player grades for Forbes and I gave Colin Sexton an A plus. I gave Larry Nance an A plus or an A and Tristan Thompson got it. Like those are the three best players in the Cavs and like mm-hmm. Kevin Love as well, but Kevin Love's personality docked him a few letter grades as well. So um, I'm excited to see what we get from Darius Garland, maybe after having <clears throat> a little bit of time to kind of get a feel for the NBA game, because it's a tired line, and if you listen to this podcast enough, I'm sure you hear it enough to this point. Um, he's a high schooler essentially playing with grown men after playing five games at Vanderbilt, and it really wasn't top-tier talent he was playing against. Um, so I'm curious to see with that. I agree with the Kevin Porter thing, but I'm more so interested in what Dylan Windler's going to bring to the table. He's going to be an old rookie next year, and from what Chris and I have heard, and I'm sure you've heard things as well and just read it, and we've all read it as well, like the organization thinks the world of Dylan Windler, and they think Mm -hmm. he could be a huge difference player either starting or off the bench because I can confirm what Jason Lloyd said, that the Cavs did envision maybe possibly starting Dylan at some point this season, and then the setbacks from his leg injury just definitely threw a wrench in all that. So I'm just kind of curious where he falls in the grand scheme of things, and he definitely helps Cleveland's wing depth problem where – like whenever Kevin Porter was hurt, Chetty, Chetty was in one of his valleys instead of one of his peaks. It's just a nice little option to have as well for the Cavs going forward. And I'm not really sure. Like I'm, looking, I'm excited to see the young guys. I'm also kind of interested to see what the direction is going to be. Um, the salary cap is expected to go down based on this whole pandemic situation. So likely more, more than likely Andre Drummond and Kevin Love will be back next year. And kind of interested to see what the Cavs think their direction is because Chris and I agree with this. Um, this isn't source for everyone listening, but if JB and Colin are saying like the playoffs feel like they're within reach, that's probably an organizational thing where like everyone in their organization feels that way. And if that's the mantra, like let's kind of figure out what we have here because we have two all-star caliber players coming back. And then after that, you just kind of figure out what after that. So I don't know. What about you, Chris? What are you, what are you most excited for next season? Truly, I'm. I, I can't even believe I'm about to say this. I truly just want to see how the Andre Drummond thing plays out. 
And I can't believe I've just said that because like him launching threes is just like objectively insane. <laughs> um, he's releasing a rap album this week, which I I will not listen to. The only NBA player that should rap is Damian Lillard. Aaron Gordon's song about Dwayne Wade was bad. I liked it. I thought it was Look, good. Aaron Gordon, just let it go, okay? Like, we get it. Just let it go, my guy. Um, you drink wine. Cool. Don't Chris, care. You're real. Andre Drummond stop. rapping just seems like the most pointless thing to me because I watched him play 2K, and he, Pat Beverly did all the talking, and Drummond was like, oh, man. And just, it was weird. Um, did, you, did you watch that entire game, by the way? I watched, like, a decent amount of it. Okay, I mentally... Pat Bev did all the fun talking. All say, of it. Shout out to friend of the pod, Carter Rodriguez, who does like eSports stuff. He's asking me how it went. I'm like, oh no, dude, I mentally checked out like five minutes in because it was... It's not Drummond, good television. Drummond's just kind of like quietly talking to himself and like yeah. Bev's talking trash. And I'm like, this is boring because Drummond was like absolutely dominating at first. And I'm you, like, okay, The only time I would watch Drummond play 2K again is if it was him and Joel Embiid in the same room. Because Embiid and him have that that history, yeah. and I, I just enjoy Joel Embiid. Um, I just want to see what they do here because I I don't know where you guys stand on this. Well, I have a better idea how it stands on this. But when I think about the drumming we saw so far, it's not what you really want or really are hoping for in terms of the best version of him. So it is when when they come back when they or the what is it next season? Assuming he opts in, which is the likely option. Like, what does he look like? And do, does, does it work with the Cavs? Do they flip him again? I just think how he works, considering he is someone that is very talented and all this stuff, like, I do just wonder how that works. Because I, I, there's, there, is, there is probably, I would guess, some pressure on him to actually perform at a good level and try to earn money. Because the, the Giannis is obviously the head of the 2021 free agency class. Let's say Giannis goes back to Milwaukee. There's suddenly a bunch of money available. Drummond's, like, not a lock to just – immediately get paid like he's not going to coast into a, another max contract like he has to do stuff but does it come within the context of the way that's also going to help Colin Sexton is it going to help Darius Garland you know does is it with Kevin Love still around does it help if they draft you know Lamella Ball or whomever like in June like does it help those guys too I just I, I that to me he is probably the most kind of wild card thing I don't know but I, I think the most fun thing is just going to be the development of the young guys I mean the cast have never been a good franchise at really developing young guys if you look back before it was Kyrie and Tristan and then they missed a lot you know you, again I'm I think Winler will be good um I I rode for Dion but the end was not you know the end didn't work out oh, I think um, we all rode for Dion but now you have right Colin another. who's good Darius who's shown some flashes Kevin who I'm very high on um and I think has been the most interesting rookie this year I think Winler will be helpful and I think they're in a position depending on who they draft to get someone else that is also at least interesting. And, you know, I, I you look at, do they do something with Dean Wade next year? Like, do they do any, do they sign any under the radar guys using some money um, this summer just to kind of, if they just get someone on the scrap in and try to develop them. I think that's actually like a, a type of Cavs team we've never really seen in, in recent years because the LeBron era was LeBron and a bunch of guys Second era was then Kyrie and Tristan, the only quote-unquote young guys. And then you have Jetty in here, too. And I want to – how these guys actually develop is going to be the most important thing. So I think those in concert together is probably, to me, the thing that kind of – I wonder how it all plays out. But it's also something that it's going to take, you know, eight, nine, ten months a year for us to really see how that storyline really plays itself out. Yeah. Um, just trying to think here. Brittany, do you have any idea of who you think the Cavs should draft this summer? If the draft does happen this summer or in the fall or whatever, it does end up happening. Here's my approach to the draft. And this is what I did with the Browns. And you know what, guys? It worked out really well. Now, okay. I understand that, you know, I'm a Kobe Altman fan. 
for, you know, a variety of reasons. Again, I feel like, um, much like, you know, Colin Sexton, the situation that he was brought into was difficult. Um, you know, he had really, really big shoes to fill. Uh, David Griffin, he was so beloved by everyone that, you know, once he was gone, you know, Kobe, he, not only did he have that pressure, but then I can't imagine that working with Dan Gilbert is an easy thing, being the middleman <laughs> no, between no, Dan Gilbert and the, you know, the fans and the organization. That has to be incredibly difficult. So, you know, I always feel bad for people who are brought into difficult situations. And I think that Kobe has been. Um, so as far I trust him. That's, that's my bottom line here. I trust Kobe mm-hmm. to make good picks. I trust him to, to do the right thing, which is how I felt about the Browns. Now, going into that draft, the NFL draft, I was like, all right. You know, people would ask me, do you have any, who do you think they're going to take? Do you have any preference? And I was like, I have nothing. Like, there's not a, a part of me that researched anything because you get so used to being disappointed about things um, that you just, the expectations are just not there anymore. So mm-hmm. I have no idea who they're going to draft. I have no favorites, no preferences, just. I'm putting my faith in Kobe. That's it. Okay. I think that's <laughs> fair. And it's a good way to go about it. As long as you uh, have faith in the man who's designing this team, I think we'll be okay. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think I have much of an opinion either. And <clears throat> draft Twitter and um, NBA draft stuff's not my forte. And I bug people I know in that sphere to just act, pretend I'm an expert for whatever the draft actually happens. So by the time like the draft's actually coming around, I'll act like I'm an expert on somebody. But yeah, no, I think that's a good way to go about it. Just kind of have faith in the guy who is trying to build this team. So it's yeah. tough too because a lot of times, you know, when you talk about draft, I'm not like a huge college basketball person, so I don't. I yeah, rarely really. watch. Oh, at it. least I'm not. It's yeah. It's so not then you, you watch March Madness and you, you see but... these guys that you wouldn't normally see. And I was, you know, like with John ja Morant last year, I was like, oh, this guy's good, but like I didn't know about him until then. So mm-hmm. without March Madness this year, it was really hard for me, a non-college basketball fan, to you know get a look at anyone that I might actually want. So that's actually helped me in this process of not having any expectations at all. Yeah, there you go. That's probably the best way to go about it. And it's going to definitely be a crapshoot because I feel like I don't know if NFL teams really got an opportunity to see much for – prospects when it came to the draft but the cat or Cavs especially and like any nba team they're going in off highlight reels and tapes that's it so it's gonna be a real crap shoot this year so yeah i guess that's a good way to go about it for everyone listening just have faith in kobe altman and hopefully he has the right direction idea of what to do next with this team and don't get mad at me if it doesn't work out There you go. yeah i I really want the draft lottery though the nfl draft was like more fun than i had any right to be you had partially because it. of the the insane things people had going on in their homes, like shots to Mike Vrabel and Connor uh, uh, Roy himself, um, Kyle, Kyle Kingsbury. But uh, I, I want the draft lottery. I want like the I want like the. Do you, I don't know if you guys remember the story about how like MGK went with Dan Gilbert and like mm-hmm. Nick Gilbert, and they got like trashed and were just like great. Like they were like the, all the rest of the NBA was pissed. They were like celebrating so hard when they won the lottery. I, I want like the the zoom call version of that, but I, I want to, I want to stop this kid Cuddy erasure and get kid Cuddy involved in this. That's my only request. Ooh, well, I like it. Two things. One kid Cuddy really got screwed along with Aaron Paul in the season of Westbrook. Chris, you haven't watched yet. And two, the year the Cavs got the Anthony Bennett pick, 
a friend of mine from high school won a random Twitter contest with Dan Gilbert and was in the crowd with Dan, Nick, MGK, and a couple other people from the Cavs organization. And then they drafted Anthony Bennett, and I hold that over Roy's head every day until the day we die. Like, he got married not too long ago, and yeah, just remind him, like, you you, you brought this upon the organization. You are the curse, so <laughs> there you go. Maybe they need to send you Chris, just you can be the straight guy in the room. Yeah, it is really well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we're going to have you on for a second part episode, but give everyone just a plug on social podcasts, everything. Just give everyone a quick plug as we wrap up here. Oh, sure. So you can follow me on Twitter at Bird's Eye View. Um, and then also me and my ladies do a podcast called That's What B Said. Uh, typically comes out on Wednesdays, um, you know, with the whole coronavirus thing. We've sort of been trying out different things and different ways of content. So um, it's, we're not on the regular schedule now, but, um, it's a Cleveland sports podcast. We focus a lot on the Browns just because that seems to be the most popular thing. And most of our followers are Browns first, everything else second, but yeah, doing stuff like this is fun for me because I don't really get to talk about the Cavs that much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very, very much for coming on. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.